Today we're talking with Perry Marshall about the 80-20 principle and Google AdWords. For episode 44, let's do it. Welcome to the Rebel Growth Podcast. I am Borja Beso, and every week I bring you step-by-step growth and online marketing strategies that you can actually implement in your business to see some results. It's my pleasure to have you here, and let's start with another episode now. Hello, hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Growth Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and for tuning in. It's a pleasure for me to have you here, as always. For today's episode, I have with me Perry Marshall, who is the godfather of Google AdWords and pay-per-click advertising. It's I feel super humbled and honored to be able to to feature him on the show and have him share everything that he's going to share with us. We're going to talk about the 80-20 principle and how that concept will help you get better results from your advertising campaigns by doing less, by doing only the things that actually matter by concentrating on the little aspects of your strategy that will actually drive results. Cut off the clutter. Now, I don't usually ask for anything in, in, in my podcast, you know that, but if you do have five minutes to spare, I would extremely appreciate it if you could head on over to iTunes and leave an honest review. Tell me what you think of the show. Tell me how I could improve and what you would like to hear on the episodes. So without any further ado, uh, without any further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Perry Marshall. Hello everyone, I'm super excited for today's episode. I have with me the godfather of AdWords advertising, the author of the 8020 sales and marketing book, Perry Marshall. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here, Borgia. Uh, how are you today? I'm great. Uh, thank you for being here. It's my honor. So, yeah, um, you know, it's it's great to be here and, you know, talking about two central topics about uh, that relate to online marketing and really probably anybody who runs a business of any significant ambition. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very eager to jump in. So like I, like I said, you are pretty much considered the godfather of AdWords advertising. How did that happen? Well, you know, um, th- there's, there's actually a lot to be learned uh, from that. Um, first of all, it, it wasn't exactly something I intentionally set out to do or teach. Um, I, I kind of stumbled into it, and it was that... Um, it was a secret fishing hole. Um, I started using AdWords in, in April of 2002 and AdWords had only been around for a month or two and, um, it was completely brand new and it, it, it didn't really make complete sense to most people. Um, and you kind of have to like rewind, uh, your brain a little bit. Like, okay, you know, most people were still listening to cassette tapes in their cars, and the idea of buying traffic on the internet was still a pretty radical idea, and most people had no idea that the whole English language was for sale, (laughs) right? Now, these are like normal ideas today, but they weren't then. 
right? And and so I was just a guy who had bailed out of the Delbert Cube six months before, and um, I, um, I I was I needed traffic to my website. I needed leads. I needed to make things happen. And so I was just like anybody else. And, and I find this thing and I already had a pretty solid direct marketing background. I had been a student of Dan Kennedy and uh, Gary Halbert and people like that. And so when I started experimenting with AdWords, it only took maybe a couple of hours for me to go, my word this is amazing this is world changing in fact i remember maybe 6 months later I, sh- I i was in china visiting my brother and i showed it to him and i said i think this is like the future of the internet i think this is like the next thing after ebay and he's like Hmm. And he got fascinated with it too. And, um, but I didn't exactly want to tell anybody about it because like, well, why would you give away your secret fishing hole? And, um, but you know, like marketers and entrepreneurs can't really stop themselves from talking to each other. And, I, I had become friends with Ken McCarthy who ran the system seminar and Ken, um, Ken at the time, he, uh, the system seminar was as far as I can tell, it was the leading community of online direct marketers who were in the old school classical tradition of Claude Hopkins and John Caples and, and, you know, people like Jay Abraham and all those people, um, Ken, this was like Grand Central Station of those kind of people. And also, um, it was post-dot-com crash. And everybody was still a little depressed about that. And it was still kind of in the ashes, okay? Which, by the way, is usually when the the real progress actually begins. So, like, there was this dot-com mania around 1999, 2000, and that was only the precursor. That was not the real deal, right? The real deal was after the bubble popped. Mm-hmm. Um, and many times opportunities, the real opportunity is after a bubble pops, uh, not during. Um, and, and so anyway, I was talking to him. And at the time, they had this whole process of here's how you roll out a website. And it was, well... You, you get a landing page in place and then you go to Overture and you drive some traffic. Overture was the first pay-per-click system. Okay. Uh, it eventually became Yahoo Bing uh, after several generations of, of, of stuff. Um, and you go to Yahoo, you go to Overture and you bid on some clicks and you drive some traffic and you send people to uh, some kind of a sales page or a landing page. Uh, you know, and then after you do, you build some autoresponders, you do SEO, and that was kind of the deal. And, um, and it, it worked and it was very smart. But I said to Ken, I said, you're telling people to do overture and get around to AdWords later. And that is backwards. You need to start with AdWords and do overture sometime later. And he goes, why is that? And I said, because it's instantaneous. 
and because you can split test ads, which you could not do on Overture. And, um, and uh, so he's like, oh, that's interesting. Who should I get to speak on AdWords? And I said, you should go get Andrew Goodman because he had written an ebook about it. It was really good. And he, he asked Andrew, and Andrew turned him down. And Ken comes back to me, and he goes, I think you should speak on this. And so all of a sudden, I'm going to this conference to speak about this topic, and I'm not getting paid. The only way to make money on this is to have something to sell from the stage. So I build a product, and that's how I got into the AdWords business. But what I knew was, okay, if you're going to be in this fight, you need to be the king of the fight. Right. You know, like it's no good to be number six or number five. Like that's pretty much a waste of time. You you need to be number one. And so, and so I'm like, all right, you know, strap on your boots and, and really do this thing. And, um, you know, and it was kind of funny because within a few months after that, this giant gold rush began to happen with Google AdWords and with affiliate marketing and the world started to discover it. And I found myself in the middle of this giant brawl um, where everybody's an AdWords expert and there's a new one like every two days. And um, then you were like, no, I was the original one. Well, no, <laughs> you know, the thing, the thing is, is, I wasn't the original one, but I knew that in order to win this fight, I had to have the best sales funnel of anybody, right. and I had to have the best product of anybody. And, you know, I think a lot of marketers understand the first part. Like, marketers really get, especially today, that you got to build a sales machine, and you got to be able to feed it the traffic, and it has to have a good earnings per click and all this kind of stuff. And they get that, but a lot of times what they don't get is that if the product doesn't really impress people and knock their socks off, um, then it's not like there, there is an, you are at an inherent economic disadvantage long term if the product doesn't really impress people. Like if it's just okay then in the long term, you're actually not going to do that well. Yes. And we put, we put a lot of effort into writing the definitive guide to Google AdWords, which was what it was called at the time. Now it's called the ultimate guide and, and it's sold in bookstores. But at that time it was a PDF. It was like, we have to give people a really kick-ass understanding of AdWords. We have to show them not only that this is the future of advertising, but the, the, this allows them to think about advertising and marketing in a completely different way than they ever did before. This is totally revolutionary. And, 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 okay, and the third thing is, is we really have to teach them to do it correctly. Well, we did that, and people started talking about it, and it got word of mouth, and, and it got testimonials. Um, one of the other real big deals in this uh, which would be easily overlooked, is that when I went to that conference, what happens when you, when you speak in front of a live room full of people who bought plane tickets to be somewhere, you've basically got the most responsive audience that money can buy or that sweat equity can buy, right? Right. 
And, and I, what I had there was like the very hottest, most like go home and do this tomorrow kind of people that you can get. They are better customers than what you'd get just advertising on Google AdWords, for example. Okay. Um, and because I, I, I first sold my book to those people, I got like, Two weeks later, I've got all these testimonials rolling in where people doubled and tripled their website traffic and they're making money and all this stuff is going on. And all of a sudden, I've got real actual people saying, I actually did this. I made it work. And so within a couple months, I had a level of legitimacy that nobody else in the market had. And I managed to stay ahead of that curve. Right, you proved and that your content was good, that your teachings were good, and you had the results, and you have the, the testimonials to prove that. So you grew pretty fast because of that. Yes. And so do you see there's actually a cycle here? There's sales machine, mm -hmm. product quality, and proof of product quality which feeds back to sales machine, which helps you improve the product, which gets you even more raving fans and more proof. And so it's this virtuous circle. And this is a perfect illustration of 80-20. Right. Now, tell me about that. Tell me about the 80-20 okay. concept. Okay. So 80-20 is, I think, the most important thing that you can know in business. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I literally mean that. Um, I mean, I guess other than, you know, love and serve your customer and be honest, okay, that, that is more important than 80-20. But, you know, as far as like any kind of a business strategy or a tactic or a basic philosophy or, or an approach, so 80-20 says that 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers 80% of your problems come from 20% of your products. 80% of your defects come from 20% of your product lines. 80% of your complaints come from 20% of the complainers. And the, the thing about 80-20 is it's not just a little rule of thumb or some like economic abstraction. It's actually a law of nature. It's a law of cause and effect. And it's going on all around you all the time. It's been going on your whole entire life. It's been going on the whole history of the universe. Uh, and you, you basically can't change it. All you can do is either fight it or flow with it. Okay. And, and so let, let, me, let me explain it like this. Um, and because, again, I'm talking about this is a basic law of physics. It's a law of cause and effect. And so for, for example, so, um, I, I'm sitting here at a table, right? I imagine you're probably, you probably got a desk or a table next to you, right? Right. Okay. So let's say we start dripping water on the table and let's say you make that table as level as you know how, right? You, you get, you know, you get a level, you get all the stuff. And you start dripping water in the middle of that table. Well, that water is not going to spread out evenly and flow over the sides of the table evenly. The water is going to clump together because water does that. And it's going to run in some particular path. Whatever path of least resistance is slightly better than any other path. And it's going to go. It's going to trickle 
and meander a little bit and it's going to fall off one end of that table. And then if the water keeps dripping, it's going to carve a, a, a river. It's going to carve a little path and it's going to wear it away. It's going to erode the table. Okay. And as soon as it starts to erode the table, the water will fall even more directly into that path and dig the path deeper and, and deeper. Right. And if you run that for like a million years, you get the Grand Canyon. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's 80-20. Pretty interesting. Okay. Now, what is, what it, what it, well, 80% of the water flows in 20% of the channel and 80% of the 80% flows in 20% of the 20% because it's going to dig the channel deeper. And in what has, it's, it's called positive feedback. The more water flows, the more the water will flow. Of course. And how do you apply 80-20 to something like AdWords? Okay, so you understand that almost everything in business is positive feedback. Water makes more water flow. Business makes more business flow. The rich get richer. Money attracts money. A cr nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd. Right? Do you want to eat in a restaurant with no cars in the parking lot? Or do you want to eat in a restaurant that's got uh, cars lined up around the block? See, that's 80-20. Okay, so AdWords. So here I am, and it's 2002. Actually, let's fast forward a bit. I, I kind of monkeyed around with AdWords, and I figured some things out. In 2003, I read Richard Koch's book, The 80-20 Principle. And I suddenly realized that 80-20 was much deeper than I had ever realized. And it was like, hey, wait a minute. This is how you figure out AdWords. Everything in AdWords is 80-20. I don't completely understand this yet. I don't totally know what I'm doing. But what I do know is that 80% of the searches are going to be on 20% of the keywords. Right. And... 80% of the traffic in the clicks are going to be on 20% of the ads. And 80% of, of the action is going to be in 20% of the ad groups. Okay? And, and so, like, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at all these numbers. Every, every, everything I basically do is sorting by some column, figuring out what the top 20% is that produces 80% of the results, and then optimizing it and most likely trimming or pruning the other 80% that's not doing what I want it to do. And so basically I could go into a brand new system that very few people really understood. Maybe even Google themselves didn't completely understand it. And I could crack the code on it simply by applying 80-20 every time I turned around, I'm applying 80-20 again. Okay, so 20% of the ads get 80% of the clicks, but you know what? 20% of the content of any one ad is 80% of why people click on it, which means it really comes down to a couple of key words or phrases that I say in the ad 
that I don't have to obsess about everything. And even though some people are saying you need 10,000 keywords or 20,000 keywords, what I'm finding out is that all of your activity comes from 10 or 20. And in fact, keywords wasn't 80-20. Keywords was 95-5. And this is a fact. 95% of the traffic comes from 5% of the keywords. That's pretty discouraging um, because only the big guys get to play, you know, get to win. Only someone with a huge budget gets the real rewards because those keywords are going to be very, very expensive. Well, okay. That appears to be true. However, one of the one of the principles of AdWords and of the world that always applies is niches. Right. Okay. Um, now, the, the, the fact that niches exist is a natural outgrowth of 80-20. So the thing about 80-20 is there's there's a there's an 80% and, there, and there's a 20%, but 20% of the 20% generates 80% of the 80%. So that means 4% of what you do gets you 64% of your results. But then you can apply 80-20 again and 1% of what you do is 50% of your results. Now, what that technically is, is it's fractal. A fractal is a pattern that's the same whether you're looking at, um, so whether you're looking at a giant boulder that's 100 feet high or you're looking at a grain of sand, they both got created the same way. Okay? So... So niches, what, what this says is that you can take the 80% that somebody else is ignoring because they should, because it only makes sense for them to ignore it. And that is somewhere in there is something that can be your 20% that is 80% of your business because there is always an unmet need. There is always an unscratched itch. Always. You can take any market and you can fragment it by subdividing it and finding an unmet need. Right. So even though the big keywords are being used by the big guys, because you have a niche and your product is very niched, your re results are inside that niche and so the numbers are all scalable, right? Um, yes. And so what that means is there's always a little pond that you can be a big fish in. And there's a chapter in the 80-20 book, and it's called how it's like something like how to do $10,000 in market research in a single afternoon by Glenn Livingston. Some title something like that. And, um, and I, I want to give you a slice of that chapter. Like, I'm going to give you the most important 5% of that chapter. Okay? Okay, go ahead. And here's what it is. So let's say that you, you pick some group of keywords or some niche where you think there is um, an unmet need. So you go 
get some traffic from that niche. And I don't really care how you do it. You can do Google ads, you can do Twitter, you can do Facebook, you can do discussion boards. I don't really care. You know, you can go use somebody's email list. I, I don't care what you do, but this is a group of people and you think there's an unmet need, then what you do is you send them to a survey that says, so let's say they, they searched some keyword. They searched information on guinea pigs and, um, and, and they landed on your page. Your page needs to ask them three questions. What is your biggest question or challenge about guinea pigs right now? Second one is, how hard has it been for you to find the answer to this question? Not hard, sort of hard, very hard. And then the third one is, uh, what would it mean for you if you were if able to solve this problem right now? And they could go into a survey monkey or something like that, and they could you could dump them into a spreadsheet. And what you do is you throw away all of the answers where, except the ones where the person said, I've been looking very hard to find this and I can't find an answer. You just keep those and you throw away the short answers and you keep the long ones and you now have the niche that's the unmet need that you can carve off as a slice and, and you can dominate it. Now, what I recommend new people do, especially if they're a little new or they're a little green in marketing, is I recommend that you just dominate some little tiny niche somewhere, even if it only makes you like $200 a month, you at least know what it feels like to be the number one guy. And, um, you know, that's 80-20. And, and once you've done it once, then you can do it somewhere else bigger. You can do it somewhere else bigger. And that's how you use 80-20 even when you're a small fry and you don't have very much money. And you're going to go into somewhere and you're going to make yourself king. Okay, so let's say you have your niche and you're going to create your, your very first AdWords campaign because that's, that's what you want to use. Um, what is the one thing or the very first thing that you would advise someone to do in implementing 8020 on their first AdWords campaign? Um, well, <laughs> you can't use Google's uh, express type services. Um, you can't, you can't let Google be in charge of your bidding. Um, you, you know, there's a lot of it, frankly, it starts with ignore Google. Okay. Um, it's pretty much okay. the, the recommendations that Google gives you when you're creating your campaign, avoid those, avoid those. Well, yeah. And you know, and, and I, you need to take this with a grain of salt because it's kind of like, well, on one hand, Google does give you in their instructions and in their online tutorials and their videos and stuff like that. They do give you accurate information about how AdWords works. Okay. You know, if you watch a, a, a video about quality score or something like that, there's a lot of stuff they're not telling you, but what they are telling you is true. However, 
they will consistently steer you. I mean, look, it's like asking the casino to help you gamble. Right. That's what I was going to say. In the end, okay. they want the more money you spend, the more money they make. Right. And <laughs> and and so it's it's like if you went to Vegas and you signed in, you bought some chips and they said, "Would you, you know, we have a free casino gambling helper. Um, would you like her to come and help you, you know, you'd be like, ah, right. I mean, it's like putting, it's like putting German shepherds in charge of the ham sandwiches. Right. <laughs> like, like you, you know, they, they are not on your side. And when your money goes into their bank account, it's never coming back. Okay. And, and so, you know, again, their, their advice isn't always bad, but frankly, you just need independent advice from people who, who, who you're paying them to teach you. Okay, let's get right. one, one specific sit situation where you would want to avoid Google's advice. Well, okay, so, so one of the options is you can check a box that says, enter your daily budget and we'll get you as many clicks as we can get you for that amount of money. That's garbage traffic. That's all the traffic that nobody else wants. It's like it's like going to Denny's and getting food out of the dumpster. <laughs> okay? Um, because they're selling you the traffic that all of the smart guys don't want. It's remnant space. So, you know, it's like getting page 56 of the newspaper in section G. Okay, and and like people don't know this, you know, Google's one of the most trusted brands in the world and their search engine is great. But like, dude, once you're advertising, you're you're in the part of the equation that pays for all those maps and for Gmail and for the world's most absolutely freaking amazing search engine and Google images and like, I mean, Google Scholar and Google this and that, right? I mean, it's the most amazing thing and it's all free. Well, it's not free when you're the advertiser, right? Right. And so, and Google's done a lot of things that work against their advertiser. I'll, I'll give you two more examples. Go ahead. One of them is they will always recommend that you have search ads and display ads on at the same time in the same campaigns so that, you know, people type in uh, plumber or if somebody's on a plumbing website and they say Google Ads, then your, your, your ad is also on the plumbing website. Well, you should always separate the two kinds of advertising. You should never mix them together and you bid on them separately and you build the two in completely separate um, campaigns because they're completely different universes. But if Google mixes them together for you, um, then, then you're, then, then you're, you're inherently not optimum in either one and, and you're giving Google more money than you should. Another one is keywords. Google, Google recent, uh, not so recently, actually it was a while ago, they took away absolute exact match from the keyword choices where, where when, even when you bid on an exact word or phrase, they're still including misspellings and minor variations, and you don't get to control the precision of that. Well, that's basically just Google helping themselves to some of your money 
and saying, you know what, we're just going to mix a little slot factor in here and there's nothing that you can do about it. Now, it works to the advantage of the average advertiser a little bit, but it works to the detriment of, of the good advertisers. And actually, average advertisers never make any money on Google. Only, Really, only about 5% of the people who advertise on Google um, do so effectively and profitably like you and I would really be proud of. Certainly only 20% really even get ahead with it at all. And the rest of them are all just like wasting their money. Right. So it's, it's you know, caveat emptor, man, buyer beware. But, but that said, it is the most amazing advertising machine in the history of the planet. Yeah. You just got to learn how to use it. <laughs> mm -hmm. use, yeah. And, and how do you go about uh, selecting those keywords? Because if Google's selecting or including variations and, and whatnot, uh, how do you actually go about selecting keywords effectively? Well, so the next, the next thing that you have to be very cautious about is broad match keywords. Usually a new advertiser should not be bidding on broad match at all. So broad match means you just type in the keyword just like you would type it in on Google. Um, you need to bid on phrase match, which is, you know, um, Cleveland, quote, Cleveland plumber, unquote, that's phrase match, or, or modified broad match like plus Cleveland plus cl plumber, that narrows, that's, that's broader than phrase match, but it, it, it's narrower than, than broad match. Um, and, okay, and then you got to pick keywords well. You have to really, and this is admittedly a little tricky, is you have to figure out what are the real actual valuable keywords in this market mm -hmm. that, that actually get buyers. Now, if you're a local business, like you're a DUI attorney or you're a cosmetic surgeon or you're a dentist or something like that, the phrases you want are actually pretty obvious. Okay? They're like probably the ones you think are important. Um, however, when you get into other markets, sometimes it's not nearly so obvious. Um, like, for example, uh, this is a, a, a classic example. One of my friends figured out really early on that there was like, I don't know, like 10 million people every month searching for typing and typing lessons. There was a ton of traffic on it. Mm -hmm. He was never able to make any money with it. And the reason was there was also much free typing courses that you, it would probably be physically impossible to make money selling typing stuff on the internet. So it's a competition factor. And so what it comes down to is what is your unique selling proposition? And if you're trying to wedge yourself in, hopefully you find, you find some maybe less trafficked keywords where nobody is scratching the exact itch that you do right. but there's traffic for it right. and then again that's back to the niche thing right and what i do is uh to make sure i i get that right is i select one single keyword right that it's 
that has medium traffic. And I create a blog post that is exclusively about that keyword, super mm-hmm. high quality, super, mm-hmm. you know, in-depth and all that. Mm-hmm. And then I advertise, I make sure that blog post has a lot of um, subscription options and sign up forms. Yep. Yeah. And then I advertise to that blog post, right? Which drives down my, my score. It gives me a very good, sorry, drives, drives up my score. It gives me a really good uh, quality score, score, which drives down my costs. Um, people are going to be very happy because it's all free content. It's very detailed. And then I create uh, a gift that is extremely related to that blog post. But then mm-hmm. I do one more thing. I combine that with the location of my visitor. Um, when I wanted to implement this part of, of personalization or geographical targeting so that I could improve my conversion rates, there wasn't any, any software around. So I created a, a WordPress plugin, which is now free. Mm. Now, I, I'll actually include that in, in, in the show notes for people who, who are listening. So yeah. I display the location. Uh, I call out the location of my visitor and say how it's relevant to what they're going to download, how their location will help them in one way or another to implement what they're going to learn from that, what they're going to download, which is, again, related to the very specific keyword that they just typed, super specifically, in the same order, everything, because that's in their mind. And that that has worked phenomenally for, for me. And that's the way you, that I go about AdWords. I think, I think that is an excellent way to go and uh, you know retargeting is really useful like if you know that the people typing that keyword have a specific intent they really have a problem they want to solve um, but you know that uh, you know they're very likely to, to click away and go research some stuff then it becomes very important to be able to, to get back to that person and Google has a new feature where you can actually bid on you you can bid specifically on people who already searched for that and came to your site. Mm-hmm. It's another mm-hmm. form of retargeting where your ads show higher the second time they search for the same thing. Okay? And that turns out to be a very profitable um, way to spend your advertising money. So right. like, yeah. it's a little counterintuitive. It's like, okay, I spent a buck to get that click the first time. And now you're saying I should spend a buck 30 to get the second time. And I already paid for it the first time. That is a perfect example of totally counterintuitive 80, 20. Because the, the, the person who searches again and then sees your site And they probably see in their browser that the color changed and they were already there, but they're like, oh yeah, I remember those guys. And they, and they come and click again, they are way more likely to stick around and buy the second time or even the third time or the fourth time than they were the first time. So on that one person, you could end up spending five bucks when you think you should have only spent one, but actually then you close them and you convert them. And the five bucks is a drop in the bucket compared to how much tra- uh, um, how much money you could waste on first-time visitors. Right. So Perry, one if if you would would have if you had to give 
one key takeaway for people listening, what would it be? Well, I haven't talked about this yet, and I really have to talk about it. Go ahead. Um, the, the beginning of all wisdom and results and effectiveness on Google AdWords is actually conversion tracking. Um, in fact, uh, you know, we've got a number of consultants that, um, you know, both inside of our company and people that we've trained where when they are auditing Google AdWords accounts and, and trying to figure out how well um, put together they are, the very first thing on the list is, is conversion tracking in place and working properly. Um, because that is the holy grail. The, if you are selling something successfully, then the first thing that will be happening is that you will know it. <laughs> um, like you have to know it, right? You have to know for a fact that this is working and you have to know which keywords are working, which ads are working and so on and so on and so forth. And so um, like I, I can't emphasize that enough. And again, you know, 80-20 is feedback. 80-20 is um, you know, it's that water carving a deeper and deeper groove. Conversion tracking tells you where to dig your deeper groove. It could go anywhere, but you have to put it where it's going to actually make you money. And, and so absolutely indispensable. Um, and, and there's a lot of people, I'll just make one last comment. There's a lot of people where, yes, they are tracking things like that. However, they have to go through six different menus, dump information into a spreadsheet, and like go through uh, five other little silly operations before they actually get the answer as to like whether they're profitable or not. That's death. When when you have to do sixteen things to get to the critical number of whether things are working or not, um, well. In theory, that's okay, but in reality, it's just never going to happen. You're you're you're, you're never going to get it done. It's never going to be checked often enough. Whereas, whatever number you really need to know where you're at, that number needs to be right in front of you as soon as you need it. So, whether that's setting a bunch of software and going through a bunch of uh, trouble to get custom stuff created so that you know, you get the exact reports you want or whether it's hiring somebody in the Philippines to go build spreadsheets for you. You have to have that mission critical business intelligence right in front of you instantly or, or you're dead in the water. Right. So, Perry, who is your ideal customer? My ideal customer is, um, is a company somewhere between uh, – half a million bucks and five million bucks revenue and they they want to dominate their market they want to be the number one guy in their niche that is my ideal customer perfect that is who i can help yes perfect and and uh, the reason i ask that's the only question i ask all of my guests my recurring listeners know this uh just wanted to have that clear so you didn't think it What's this question about? <laughs> no, it's a good, it's a great question because, you know, now everybody who's listening, like, now if you're smaller than that, you know, you can, you can buy our books and we're happy to have you as a customer. But 
you know, if, and, and that's also fine if you're bigger than that, but if you're in that range, you're really in the sweet spot of people that we know how to help. Yes. So Perry, any place you want to send people to stay connected with you, to learn more about what you teach and what, how you can help them? Um, I would encourage you to go to perrymarshall.com, and if you're interested in AdWords specifically, you can click on a link there. You can get our our um, Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords book. Um, actually, you can get it at a special discounted price, less than what it costs on Amazon. Um, and if you're interested in 80-20, you can also find the 80-20 sales and marketing book. Man, I can't tell you how pumped uh, I am for finally having this interview. Um I can't wait to publish it to get everything ready and make it go live. Thank you so much, Perry. I really appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. And you asked some really great questions. I love the process that you described of of how you get a blog going with, with Google AdWords. And, you know, um, it's been a great interview. So I appreciate your time today. I appreciate everybody's time. Thank you, Perry. Okay, all right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Perry Marshall. I hope you understand what the 80-20 principle we do for you and your advertising campaigns and for everything that you do in your business, actually. That's something that you can apply to absolutely everything. Content promotion, uh, managing people, and doing your own administrative uh, tasks and basically everything, outsourcing, you name it. Now, I do want you to head on over to rebelgrowth.com forward slash episode 44 for the show notes and everything that we mentioned here so that you don't miss on any resource that we just uh, talked about on the episode. So once again, thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week for another growth-packed value, super potential blast, you know, episode. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys. Take care. We'll